from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm hanging out here with the man Dave Paziak. He is here with us inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And uh, so thankful and so gracious to have Dave here on the show as always. He is no stranger to the broadcast. He has been with us for uh, years upon years. Really, uh, my return to my hometown of Syracuse, New York, he's been with us ever since then. So I want to say it's uh, probably the better part of eight years now, if not maybe a little bit longer, that we've had Dave here on the show with us, and we appreciate him tremendously. He is a longtime basketball coach. He spent a lot of years here in our community, and he has since moved forward and has now spent some time in the great state of Vermont with the NVU Linden Hornets men's basketball team. And he is here with us to not only talk about a hopeful NBA return, but also to uh, navigate coronavirus with us and, and speak with us a little bit about how he's coaching through this process and how he's trying to stay connected to his players. And then, of course, and unfortunately, uh, Dave and I have to talk about other things that are going on in this world. And I say unfortunately because it's sad things to see happen. But fortunately, uh, Dave and I have a voice to hopefully affect some positive change. So there's a there's an unfortunate that the circumstances happen, that racism, sexism, and prejudice exist. But there's also the positive uh, opportunity that we have to come together as a community because of social media and because of uh, broadcasts such as Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where we are going to do what we can to help out and spread a positive message and be here for everybody that needs us from any community. So with that being said, let's bring Dave in. Dave, how are we doing today? Hi, Dan. How are you? Good to talk to you again. It's like we're talking off, off air there. You know, it seems like when we connect, there's always you know, something something going on in the world that's, that's much bigger than sports. So maybe I should just leave the microphone on. And so we'll never hang up with each other. So then we, we can't we can't talk with something bad again. So yeah, like a plane. I'm just I'm just gonna leave you here, Dave. We'll watch TV together. We'll eat together. You know, we'll we'll get you all set up. And uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave the mic light on so that we can't hang up and have something else happen. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. So yeah, it's uh, crazy times we're living in right now. It is, and and you know, Dave. I guess you know. I mean, that's that's where we're going to start today. I mean, how have you handled this? I mean, you're a coach. You you coach and you recruit, and you've had assistant coaches of of all different colors, backgrounds, and and whatnot. Uh, you have been very inclusive, and and I know that uh, the people that have played under you, coached under you, the level of respect that they have for you is tremendous. So you have not seen color as a coach, which is a beautiful thing and should not even be a, a thought on anybody's mind, but I bring it up because unfortunately some people do see color and do seem to have an issue with that. So what can you tell me about, you know, kind of your stance and, and how you've seen everything happen in the world from the perspective of, of a person who doesn't see color and, and appreciates people of all backgrounds. 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, being involved in the sports world and, you know, being involved in competitive athletics and, you know, having a, having a good fortune to be able to, you know, coach for as many years as I, uh, as I have, um, you know, especially in a sport like basketball, which is probably, um, you know, in the United States, probably as diverse as, as, as any sport. Although, I mean, you can say the same about soccer and, um, football. I mean, yeah. so, um, I, I think when you're in the sports world, sometimes, um, you know, you're in, a, in an arena that by and large doesn't see color. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, it, it, it's performance based and it's about team and um, teammates have each other's back. And, um, you know, by and large, you know, respect each other and treat each other as um as human beings and um sometimes when you're in that arena you you, you lose sight of the fact that um it's not it's not always that way in the outside world if that makes any sense um you know so i, I think that um you know with, with with what happened with george floyd that was you know disgraceful and and I think really affected people at their core, um, certainly in the African-American community, but I think in, you know, decent people, you know, of, of all races and creeds. I mean, I don't know how you can, can look at that and, and say that, you know, that there's anything okay in what happened there. Um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, the opportunity we have in the, you know, in athletics, because we've got um, kind of people from different backgrounds coming together, and, and I think you know, I appreciate that um, people in the sports world, the entertainment industry, and, and, and business, you know, various businesses and whatnot, are coming out and making statements, um, you know, condemning racial injustice, and I think that. That, that those voices being heard, um, you know, that have, you know, a captive audience, I think that's important. But I think at the core, what we really need to do as, you know, as human beings is take the time to um, educate ourselves to how, how our fellow human beings feel and, you know, our, our fellow human beings that, that maybe come from a different background. You know, I can't put myself in the place of, um, you know, even though I work with many of them and have over the years, I can't truly put myself in the place of a young African-American man and how they feel as they're, um, you know, as they're growing up and, and um, what emotions run through, you know, run through their mind, um, you know, if they have an encounter with law enforcement, for example. Um but I think what we all can do is, you know, we can open our minds and our hearts up to, um, to have conversation and learn from each other. And, um, you know, that I think is the, is really the fundamentals, uh, the, the, the fundamental step that we need to take to, you know, to bring about meaningful and lasting change in society to, you know, to where we, we get to the point where, um, 
you know, man's measured by um, by his character and not the color of his skin. Um, you know, so I think in the you know in the athletic realm and like what we've like Sunday night, I you know we had a, 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 my team during coronavirus. You know, every few every so often we we have the Zoom chats. You know, nobody knew what Zoom was. You know, three four months ago, yeah. <laughs> and that's like a part of a way of life. You know, so you know, we had planned to uh, to connect Sunday night, anyways, and you know we had a little conversation um, about how everybody's feeling and what their thoughts are. Um, you know, as far as what's going on in the world, and, and um, you know what what had the, the protests that have that have um, that have been taking place. Um, I think my feeling is that, um, by and large, the vast majority of the people all across the country involved in every city, I think, you know, their intentions are pure and, and their, their intentions are to be peaceful, um, but vocal, which I think, um, you know anybody uh, I think in good conscience you know certainly has to be on board and supportive of um, unfortunately I think that there's a percentage like a small percentage um, that resort to looting and vandalism and violence and arson and assault and those kind of things and I think that just one is the news media captures that so that becomes the news cycle and i think that it takes them takes the focus off the message which is um you know how do we get to a place where uh where, where racism and um where it's eradicated and where you know we're all treat one another as, as human beings without regard to, um, you know, race or sex or what have you. So, um, yeah, I think to, to move forward as a, you know, as a society and as a country though, I think again, it comes down to opening our hearts and our minds up to basically look at the world through, through someone else's eyes. You know, and I think when we do that, um, you know, I think from that change will come. Speaking here with Dave Paziak, a basketball coach and analyst, uh, coming to us from Vermont and where he's coaching with the NVU, a Linden Hornets men's basketball team. You know, Dave, like you said, we have to listen. You know, you have to have the conversation. And as I said on yesterday's show, uh, if you want to know about pregnancy, you don't go to a man, you go to a woman. And you talk to her about you know, her pregnancy and what she's been through. And if you want to know the feelings and the pain and the desires and, you know, just the thoughts that are going on right now, um, you know, in, in today's black community, then you have to go to the black community and, and to speak with them and to speak with what's going on and to sit at a table of all races and all ethnicity, all backgrounds, all whatever, and to have this conversation of what can we do? What do we do? Because this is, you know, as, as Gene Waldron said on the show yesterday, he's like, this is 400 years, Dan. And, you know, and, and like you said, you can't imagine to step into the shoes of that. And I've told people that, you know, I've had conversations with people that, 
that that aren't black and and they have a beautiful beautiful look at at life and and the sanctity of all life and then i've spoken with other people that just they don't get it because they don't live it and that's part of the problem and so you know i think we really just have to Uh, you know, have the discussion and we need to do this peacefully. And like you said, there's an overwhelming amount of people that are out there peacefully protesting. And then there's a select few that are looting and rioting and doing all kinds of stuff. Those are opportunistic people. I always say it's opportunistic, you know, because how many times have we seen a peaceful protest? It could have been about anything. It could have been, you know, somebody protesting uh, Casey Anthony's trial or whatever it may be. But peaceful protests turn bad because there's opportunistic people that just want to use an excuse to get somewhere and they're taking away from the central message. So I, I want people to understand that, you know, those that are protesting <clears throat> what's going on and those that are, you know, standing up against a violence against the black community and that people want justice and freedom for all, that is the peaceful protest. The opportunistic people, it, it could be about anything, you know, and, and when there's a lot of people organized, you know, people will kind of fit themselves in there and do what they need to do. So I hope that that stops because it's taking away from the central message and the good of what's trying to be done right now. And the people that are kneeling in silence and the people that are laying down in silence and people that are laying down in protest saying, I can't breathe collectively, those are the messages we need to hear. So, you know, I, I agree with you. We have, we have to have the conversation. It has to be peaceful. Violence only begets more violence. Hate only begets more hate. Love is the literal only thing that you can uh, cure something with. And beautiful words came from Martin Luther King Jr. himself about darkness can't drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can. So, you know, we got to be smart, Dave. We have to be better. And we, like you said, you you had your Zoom chat with your teammates or with the, with with your team and with your players. What is your message as a leader of this team? What words have you have you kind of mustered up to find to speak with these young men? Well, I, I, I think I think before speaking, listening is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, so one of the things, like when we got together the other day, one of the things was. I, I, because we, I mean, we have guys from every conceivable background. You know, I got we have kids that, that that live in or near some of the big cities or some of the um, some of the large scale demonstrations and and more violent protesting has taken place. And then we have kids from um, from rural Vermont, which is the, that that live in a you know completely different world that where. Um, there is no African American community. So, and everything in between. So, uh, you know, I think what I tried to do is, is I wanted to get their thoughts on things and be able to share each of their own personal experiences. And I think through that, um, they come to a better understanding of each other and, and how, you know, when all of their experiences taken as a whole, that becomes kind of a microcosm for, um, you know, for us as a nation and as a society. And, and you know, the thing I'm trying to do in, in facilitating that, and at the same time, like I'm, I'm trying to learn myself in those situations because, like I said, you know, um, having, you know, despite having coached, you know, I'm, I'm at the point now where, like, I'm not living the life of 
any of any of the you know the young people that I'm fortunate to coach, you know, whether they be white, black, or or whatever their racial background, but especially, um, you, you know, I'm. I'm trying to learn from the young people and what they're experiencing, especially those that come from a, a vastly different background that are, that, that are, are, you know, growing up in or near a, a, you know, big city and are seeing these, um, these instances of injustice and feeling these feelings on a, on an ongoing basis. So, um, you know, it comes back to, the, you know, the point I made early on is you're just trying to, um, trying to open our minds up individually and trying to facilitate, um, you know, the, the young people that you're trying to help grow to uh, like broadening their worldview and, and, and opening their minds up to what, um, you know, what their teammates, what their, um, you know, their peers, what, you know, what, what, what young people in other, you know, in other parts of the country are experiencing, um, you know, say, um, of a different race or of a different background or of a different economic, yeah, socioeconomic stratus. Um, you know, I think all of those things, I think, you know, as we, um, as we open our hearts and our minds up to that, I think that's how we're going to get better. So that, you know, that's kind of the, the approach I try to take with our guys. That coming here from Dave Paziak this morning, Dave, uh, in the basketball world, you know, we're uh, we're hoping for some good news. You know, we're looking for some uh, something good to come out of uh, everything that's been happening with coronavirus. So, you know, what's your take on kind of what's coming up right now and the the hope of the NBA returning? You know, allegedly we're talking about Disney, we're talking about ESPN Wide World of Sports, a place that I know all too well. You know, obviously Disney that I know very very well. So. Uh, we we know that this could be a return. We know that we have uh, th- or four teams that have already made the playoffs. They they had played about sixty five games, so there was uh, less than twenty games left in the regular season. And I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I don't want to load the question, so I'm going to throw it to you. What should the what should the NBA do? I know I'm sure you've been reading up on everything. So what are your thoughts on them returning uh, about going to a city like Orlando, playing without fans, being at Disney? Uh, you know, what's what's your overall thoughts on on what you've been reading about what the NBA is at least trying to do in an effort to come back? Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like the league and the players are kind of of the same mindset in that they want they want the season to resume. Um, want basketball to be back in in some way, shape, or form. So, um, so I think that's a good common ground. Um, you know, as far as it seems like the proposal that's getting the most traction right now involves around twenty two teams out of you know out of thirty resuming play. Um, but there's starting to be a little bit of pushback to that too from the you know from the you know six or eight or ten teams that may be on the outside looking in. Um, feeling that that's going to put them like you know if they're not engaged at all it puts them at a competitive disadvantage and then there's also the business side of it which most teams need to get to i think it's 70 games to hit their um um hit their mark as far as honoring the broadcast agreements the local broadcast agreements so um so it sounds like the 
you know the, the you know the 22 team model is is the direction that it's going in but i think for that to to ultimately fly they're going to have to come up with i mean there's been talk of um some kind of um mini tournament or training camp or something with the uh um with the teams that are that are excluded because um you know if, if, if that's not addressed both competitively and financially then um you know it's going to lead to issues down the road but uh as far as you know bringing them all to orlando to a single site um i think i think the the sports fan the nba fan and everything i think is is certainly um starved for any kind of live sports um so i think that will be well received uh you have to believe that you know a league that's you know as um, established and well financed as the NBA, they'll have every precaution in place as far as um, you know keeping the players safe, the staff safe, um, event workers and such. So um, you know, if, and if somebody does test positive, um, I'm sure there'll be a uh, um, you know they'll get the best medical attention and, and um, there'll be a good quarantine plan in place to you know prevent the spread so um you know so i think the you know the league will handle that pretty well i mean you've already seen um i mean that's going to be a much more closed environment than for instance like some of the like the german soccer league that started back up and everything um, where they're they're actually playing in the in the home city so you know i think going to a model like the nba is talking about where everything will be at um at Disney and whatnot, um, I think that's a much, much more easy to control environment. So um, it sounds like one of the, you know, one of the things on the table is that they're going to, as teams get eliminated, they'll start allowing players to bring their families in. Cause I know that's one of the sticking points um, with all major sports. If they go to kind of the, the little isolated pod model is, players are going to basically be quarantined away from their family for a period of time. So, um, you know, addressing that issue, I'm sure is something that is going to be a somewhat of a work in progress, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, I mean, it'll, hopefully they can, you know, they can finalize all the details and, um, uh, come to an agreement and get basketball back. I know like major league soccer was, was heading down that path. And apparently, it all blew up in the last day or two because um, all of a sudden, you know, it became a, an issue with their collective bargaining agreement beyond how do we get through this. And, and so, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen in the case of the NBA. And the NBA seems to, um, amongst all the major professional sports, I think the, uh, you know, the Players Association and the, and the league itself seem to be, um, have more of a part relationship than than in most of the other major sports where it's more of a management versus union in the traditional sense um so you know i'm optimistic and certainly looking forward to getting back more back yeah you know and and it does seem like uh, you know there's 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 kind of been a plan there's been a conversation it seems like it's something that's you know been going on for a bit uh, not something that they're rushing into not something that they're not really thinking through uh, which is huge, but you know we do want to see this return. We want to see basketball come back. I want to see it come back. I mean, 
The Raptors, I know they don't have Kawhi, but they're in second place in the East, and they're behind Milwaukee just like they were last year, and there's some argument that they could get it done. Uh, we know that uh, the only teams that have essentially made the playoffs are Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, in that order, in the East, and then in the West, uh, just L.A. had locked up a spot. Uh, Dave, the the 22-team model, though, I mean, we played, like I said, somewhere, most teams, like somewhere around 65 games, you know, almost, uh, you know, almost to that 70 mark. So you bring up a great thing in the uh, in the argument of, well, how do they, you know, local broadcasts on radio and TV, if they don't hit the 70 mark, then, you know, how do they get done what they need to get done? Because that's another nuance that's kind of, you know, interwoven into all of this uh, that we, we still have to discuss because there are so many moving parts. But wouldn't you, I mean, w- would you would you be... When we talk about safety, we're talking about 30 different, well, not 30 different cities because there are, you know, more than one team in one city or in the same type of area, but we're talking about 30 franchises. And in that sense, uh, does it not make more sense to you to just start the playoffs? If we're 65 games in, if we got, you know, we, we got a top eight and, and I know that there's, you know, nine, 10, 11, that's trying to get in, but in the East, the closest team is five games back in the West. The closest team is three and a half games back. So our arguably somebody could get it done, but because we've waited so long and because of just sheer safety, would you rather them just start the playoffs with top eight and top eight and go from there and then essentially almost cut the league in half and not even have to deal with the other 14 franchises and put you know all those people at risk? What do you think about just going to a playoff model like the NHL has been pushing? Um, I mean, I, I think that's a reasonable option. Um, you know, the thing I struggle with, with like the 22 or the, the, the 20 or the same, like, you know, you're going to, you're going to take the next four teams in the West, but only the next two in the East. And, you know, how about like Memphis has got a three and a half game lead and like, should they be advantaged somehow with, with getting to those final playoff spots? So I think there's a, a lot of those nuances that they get introduced. Um, <clears throat> like I would almost, um, Take the. I mean, by the time they start back up, we're going to be about you know probably four months plus. You know, if, if the the timelines that are out there are fairly accurate, yeah. we're going to be about you know four months plus from when the season was suspended. So um, there isn't a ton of carryover um, from that point until now. Uh, I think like some of the teams that had players dinged up with injuries and everything. Um, you know, one of the interesting scenarios was if they involve everybody and turn it into kind of an open tournament format, you know, take a team like Golden State, now do, you know, do they do they try to bring back Durant or, uh, or, or Brooklyn, rather, do they bring, try to bring back Durant or Kyrie or, you know, Golden State, do they bring back Thompson? Um, and how does that change the dynamic? So, um, you know, I think given the amount of time is separated, I might – I mean, I wouldn't have a problem if they just started the playoffs at 16, but I was, I'm was i kind of intrigued by the model where they bring all 30 teams back and go to like a um, like a FIBA-FIFA type structure where they, they, they compete in, in almost like a group play, um, advantaging the teams with better records somehow. Um, and then when you came out of that, maybe you're at eight teams, you know, and you, then you go traditional quarter, semifinal, something like that. I, I'd almost be in favor of that. Um, 
over um, over what's what's out there with the twenty two teams. But um, you know, like I said, I mean, there's given the amount of time, it's almost like it's going to be a, a, you know its own season in and of itself. So um, you know, uh, just just as long as we get basketball back in some way, shape, or form, I think people will be happy. Yeah, you know, and, and I like your your group stages thing, you know, because you know, people that watch the World Cup, you know, we know all about the group stage, and I think that that would be a really kind of interesting thing is, you know, to group the teams together and, and find a way to kind of split them up into groups uh, based on kind of where everybody's at and and to set it up in such a way where, you know, the, the top team from each group advances and then, you know, you're going to have make some, some other pieces advance or the top two or whatever it may be, and you do it that way. Uh, I do want to, uh, before I get to another point here, quick, uh, Jerry Kelly, who is uh, one, of, one, of, one of the best when it comes to listening and watching daily, so thank you, Jerry, for being one of our big-time supporters. He said, Dan, please tell Coach Paziak, uh, Coach Kelly says hello. He is not only a great coach, but a great person so he just wanted to let you know that this morning i appreciate the kind words um i mean jerry's been a you know a good friend uh um for for quite a long time and you know as as high school coaches and high school administrators go in central new york i don't think there's anybody out there i mean there's a ton of guys that do that do great work and are really invested in their kids but nobody is more invested in his, in, in his students um as far as them growing as young people as Jerry. So I uh, really appreciate the compliment coming from, from somebody like him. So there you go, Jerry. A lot of kind words, a lot of good stuff this morning from a, a kind and hardworking man here, Mr. Dave Paziak. Uh, Dave, you know, we so so we have this model and this this option to go forward to. Do we, do we keep seven-game series? Do we switch them to five? You know, what do we do in that sense? We get, let's say, we get to the playoffs. How do we set up the format for this? Because we want to see it. You know, I want, I want to see it. I, I definitely want to see it because I want to see where Toronto can go. Uh, selfishly, because you know they're in second place again, and they did it without Kawhi. So you know, I, I want to see all of this. I want to see you know Lakers and Clippers. You know, Lakers are one, Clippers are two. I, there's there's so much good. Golden State's the only team out of 30 franchises that was officially eliminated, which is insane to think about uh, the last decade and to see you know how the mighty have fallen, so to speak. But uh, you know, how would you like to see the playoffs be played? Do you want to see double elimination and make it like almost an NCAA tournament and do double elimination? Uh, do we look at five game series? Do we keep a seven game series? I mean, the season's supposed to end in June, and we're already in June. So, how do we how do we do it? What would you like to see? Well, you know, I think um, when they get to the play down format, like, you know, I would like to see the one thing I think that I've always really appreciated about the NBA playoffs is I think the NBA playoffs are set up to identify the best team and crown the best team as champion. Um, which I think is, is the beauty of the NBA playoffs and what what makes them attractive. Um, you know, conversely, March Madness, the thing that did, that's the beauty of March Madness and what really um, captivates March, everyone with March Madness is that it's set up to trip up the best team. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are looking at looking for the upset and the Cinderella story and so forth and so on. But, you know, the NBA professional sports, I think you're trying to – um, trying to identify the best team and crown them as champion, the, you know, the most most deserving, most worthy team. Um, so I would like to see 
seven game series when you know when they get the bracket of play you know if it's at 16 or if it's at eight or um whatever i i just i think that over a seven game series um you know typically the the, the team that deserves to win wins um as opposed to i mean the, the worst team in the nba the gap between the best team and the worst team is minuscule so in a in a in a one-game setting, anybody can win on any given night. But over seven games, the better team emerges. So, you know, I, and I think actually managing a seven-game series, being at a single site like Orlando, I think um, it's going to end up being uh, an easier task because you don't have to account for the, the you know, the extra travel days. Um uh, when they get to the, if you know, if they can stay with an east and west format, when they get to that point, um, you know, instead of traveling from, you know, east coast to west coast or vice versa, everybody's in one site. So, um, you know, building that extra, those extra travel days into the, um, into the schedule, uh, I think it won't be necessary. So I think you'll be able to do it in a little bit shorter time frame being in one location like Orlando. So, um, I prefer the seven game series and, uh, I, you know, what, what's going to be interesting about that is, uh, with all this downtime, you know, typically when you get to the playoffs guy, you know, time you get to the finals, guys have north of a hundred games on their legs. Um, so you're going to see, um, playoff basketball, you know, granted there'll be no fans in the stands, but you know, you'll see playoff intensity basketball with guys that are relatively fresh, um, or much fresher than they typically are at season. So, you know, that I think in a one sense could be you know, kind of a unique opportunity to see some really high level basketball, um, you know guys like LeBron James or Chris Paul or, you know, people that have a lot of, um, you know, there's already a lot of tread worn off those tires. So um, that'll be interesting to see how, how, you know, how those players, how the whole league performs, you know, when they come in in a pretty healthy state. Oh, yeah, and, and that's the thing is, you know, getting the body, first and foremost, you know, them prepping them to get their bodies ready. And to give them some time to train so that they don't get hurt. But then, like you said, uh, they're not having the wear and tear because they've had uh, they've had so, so much time in between. And, and a lot of these players have been quarantining since March. So, you know, there there's something to be said about the positives of, you know, not having to play every third day or second day and traveling all over the country. But then at the same time, they got to get their body set and they got to get their body right. Do you think that it, it might, I mean, obviously talent's talent, but could we maybe even out the playing field a little bit more because everybody's legs are kind of rusty? I mean, do you think that maybe maybe some of these series could get a little more interesting because everybody's had time off? Uh, I mean, it could. It certainly could. <clears throat> you know, I mentioned Brooklyn. You know, if, if Kyrie and Durant were to play, I mean, that certainly changes the whole dynamic in the East. Um you know, I, I think it, it. I mean, it's it's hard to predict how it'll play out, but I think that with everybody being relatively fresh, um, you know, I'm sure they're going to do the right things as far as a, a, a training camp and um, you know, getting some you know some some live action and some games under their belt. Um, so the guys, you know, when 
actual competition returns, especially as you get into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, it has a potential to, you know, to really showcase some high level basketball with, you know, with guys, you know, guys playing that are, are in better physical shape than they typically would be, um, at this time of year. I think the flip side of that, which a lot of people haven't really talked about is, you know, resuming play this summer, it's going to have a significant impact on next season. Um, right. You know, it's gonna it's gonna force rolling back the start of next season. Um, you know, it's gonna reduce the amount of downtown guys have in between the end of the playoffs and the start of the next season. Um, it's already changed like the whole um, free agency and draft timetable. So, um, I mean, there's a ton of ripple effect that's going to, um, <clears throat> and all the lost revenues is is really. Um, you know, the revenues have taken a major hit and salaries in the NBA are, uh, you know, the salary cap and, and whatnot um, and, and the value of a max contract, they're all um, negotiated to be percentages of, of revenue. So, um, you know, so there's a ton of business impact that's going to ripple down the line too, but I think there's a, a physical impact, um, you know, with, you know, with the Olympics, coming up next summer to, you know, move from this summer to next summer. Um, you know, there's going to be an impact on professional players in the Olympics because if the NBA has to roll back um, next season to the point where, um, you know, the playoffs are either overlapping with the Olympics or end right before the Olympics does, um, you may see a lack of, of, of NBA players not just playing for the USA, but playing in Olympic basketball in general. So, I mean, there's a ripple effect there too. I think, you know, this, what, what's going on and, and what they do with the playoffs this year. It's, I mean, it's going to be two or three seasons out, I think at least before the NBA and before, um, you know, other professional sports, the NHL, um, potentially baseball, depending on what they end up settling on. Um, you know, it could be quite a while before things get back to a normal rhythm. You know, and Dave, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring up this point because, I mean, essentially, uh, you know, the NBA season, the finals end in June, then the draft is right after that in June, seemingly five minutes after, you know, it's within a, a week or two after. And then, you know, in, in September, you know, and then, well, then you got to go to July. So the so you got the you got the typical end of the season, the NBA Finals in June, the draft right after in June. In July, you have uh, NBA Summer League, and then in September you're starting training camps, and the preseason begins right at the end of September, beginning of October. So there really is no time off. That August time is really that time. But if we're going to start playing games on potentially, let's say July fifteenth with the reopening of Disney, if they do go to Disney, then now we're talking about this is going into August. So when is the, is the, is the draft at the end of August? Is the draft in September? And then that, like you said, pushes training camp, pushes the season because the season starts in October. And obviously they're not going to have those overseas, you know, China and Japan probably not even have 
Uh, the uh, I mean, who knows if they're going to, you know, play the games in Canada outside of Toronto, if they're going to venture outside of uh, any of the other areas. So it's interesting to see kind of how things are going to go. But you bring up a great point that, you know, this is a timeline thing. And as much as we want it back this season, what does it do to next season? And essentially, you know, does does wanting it back so bad almost hit the fan twice because we've been without basketball for, you know, since March but then, you know, we're going to we're going to obviously be without it and, and have a later start on the back end of all of this. So, you know, basically coronavirus is uh, is just, you know, it, it's it's that it's that person that walked in drunk to the party and knocked over all the vases, Dave. I mean, that's what this is. And and it's just really unfortunate. You know, they knocked over grandma's urn. I mean, this is just it's it's ridiculous and you know but you are bringing up some very healthy points of okay so we really 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 want this back but what's it going to do to everything else and i can only imagine you know i mean you you brought up that you brought up uh the tv deals the local tv local network um, you know uh, what's going on local radio and you know all these other things that they're dedicated to and other sponsorships that they have and things that they're supposed to do and maybe you know some of the players are supposed to go down to the dealership and they're supposed to take pictures or shoot a video or have a commercial in front of a car and they can't do that so you know and then saying that you know you look at revenue and that's what you know breaks up and, and lets you know where the salaries are going to be at so everything's going to be affected by this and i guess the the final point and you can obviously respond to any of that because i threw a bunch at you right there but uh, the the final point with that is, what if some of the players decide that they don't want to play? Well, um, I think that's uh, you know that's something else that hasn't maybe gotten the attention or, or, or the discussion that it should. Although it seems like if you believe what you read, um, the overwhelming majority of the players want to get back to playing. <laughs> so, um, but you did have like. You know, and I think this this goes to what format they ultimately settle on too. You have like Lillard, for example. You know, kind of went public with, um, you know, if they're bringing, you know, bringing teams back just to play a handful of games, and they don't have, uh, uh, you know, a path to the playoffs. He wasn't particularly interested in, in in doing that, and I think a lot of teams would have they would have done it because they need to to f- fulfill their. Um, you know, their media agreements and whatnot. Um, but you would see, I think, a lot of teams like holding out their their star players for risk of injury or guys that are coming up on free agency, they're not going to play if there's no, um, you know, no route to the playoffs for them. So um, I think, and then that doesn't even speak to, like, um, if there are any players that from a purely public health and safety standpoint don't want to return. Um, you know, I would think that of, of all the professional sports leagues, I think the NBA, um, like I said, there, there's more of a partnership there. And I think they're also, um, uh, what's the right word, maybe more socially conscious a little bit. Um, so I, I think this, if there's an individual player that objects to coming back and playing, um, my sense is that that will be that that'll be kind of worked out behind the scenes without a lot of um, a lot of fanfare because it seems like the majority of the players um, overwhelming majority would just want to get back to playing so um, you know I think the one thing that, that the other thing that we didn't hit on is probably relevant you know to your audience in particular with Syracuse being such a big college sports town um, 
you know, this this revised schedule has a um, also has an impact on on college basketball. Yeah. Um, you know, assuming that college basketball even starts on time, um, the college sports and universities are, are back up and, and running on campus. But uh, um, you know, with this the season pushed back, the playoffs pushed back, the drafts pushed back. Um, you know, what's the impact on play? And then next year, the season calendar probably being rolled back. How does that, uh, you know, how does that impact guys that want to throw their put their toe in the water? Um, you know, pre-draft, um, and you know, declare for the draft, and, and making decisions about whether to stay out or, or stay in or, or take their name out. And, um, you know, the, I think the, the further the draft time runs push back, the, the you know the more challenging that situation becomes for um, you know for college athletes and college basketball. So, um, so there's a lot of a lot of ripple effects. Dave, I want to get in a DeLorean and I want to go back with Doc and Marty and just get rid of Corona. I mean, come on. We got, I mean, there's got to be, we got to bottle this thing up. And, you know, this, this is just ridiculous. So, I mean, we are where we are. We're navigating as best we can. We will get there. We will find a way through all of this stuff. And, you know, so hopefully, uh, you know, things will get better. Things are looking up. Dave's positive. I'm positive. So, you know, we should have just formed a task force, Dave, went out there and figured this thing out. But uh, hopefully the NBA can return. The NHL, I know, is talking about it. Major League Baseball has been talking about it. Hopefully we can make it happen. The safety and security are the most important thing above everything. And if Disney can open up safely and securely in July, my butt's going to be down there because I miss it like crazy. And uh, and I need to, uh, I just, uh, I need a little vacation. So, with all that being said, Mr. Paziak, we always open the door in every conversation to continue it on, and we will. So I will have you back very, very soon. If anything clicks in the next couple weeks, for sure, but uh, definitely have you back on here to expand on everything. And more than anything, I want to thank you for talking about uh, racial equality, opening up the dialogue and the conversation, and knowing that we have to peacefully find a way to come together of all colors and all backgrounds to say enough is enough. So I do appreciate that more than anything else, and I appreciate your time as always. Well, it's great to talk to you always, as always, Dan, and great to talk sports and great to talk things that are way bigger than sports. Yeah, coming from Mr. Paziak, you stay safe. I'll talk to you soon, okay? You too, Dan. Talk right. to you soon. Bye. Take care.